Hello and welcome to the Hiring Enablement Podcast. My name is Gavin Spears, CEO of Solutions Driven, a global recruiting partner that guarantees right first-time hiring. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the candidate and employer's needs during the hiring process, and I'm delighted to be joined by John Herzog, who's the VP of HR of Devon Self Storage. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Gavin. No problem. Delighted. So, so I think just jumping into the topic, I mean, around setting expectations, making sure that both candidates and employers' needs are met through the hiring process. It's a it's a big topic, but what we're going to do today is maybe just try and focus on a, on a few areas of that. I think from your experience, my, my first area I was keen to ask was really around, you know, how can HR and T leaders ensure that that candidate-centric approach really does address concerns or expectations that candidates have whilst also creating you know a positive I guess impression of the of the company so I I, I would venture to say this really uh is going to be geared around your onboarding process right um having a seamless process that's going to be one of your biggest keys to me um there's a big difference between having a sloppy process versus uh, a really professional laid out one, right? Uh, constant touch is another big thing. A lot of millennials and zennials don't love to be left in the dark. They're always wanting to know more. Uh, you, you hear about companies even doing like the swag or gifts or the lunch the first day. Um, you know, that, that can really benefit a company. I think the bigger point is, is there's a lot of studies out there that state that, you know, employees believe that only 12% of them have an adequate or successful onboarding process. That's that's a pretty staggering number. I mean, uh, that same study goes on to state that if you have an effective onboarding process, uh, the employees would be 18 times more likely to be committed to the workplace. Wow. compared to that of the others. I mean, that that alone to me screams the need for a great onboarding process. Um, I think I think in that same aspect, you forget that, you know, you spend all this money and energy on getting things like benefits, you know, health insurance. How many of those people actually know they have it available? How to sign up? Uh, I, I've had companies where we offered it for free and people still didn't want to take it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you take free health insurance? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you break your arm, what's the cost of that? A few hundred dollars or just a deductible? Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, I, I liked Bamboo HR. They actually had a post not too long ago. They also showed that uh, 89% uh, say that an effective onboarding makes them help uh, makes them feel more engaged at work. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty big, especially if you're growing a a nice culture. Now, if you don't care about your culture, I guess it doesn't really matter. But uh, the other side to that is in your onboarding from recruiting and and actually onboarding, what kind of culture have you pushed to these individuals? I know millennials, they they love to have a company that has a purpose for them, right? You can actually uh, gain more recruits just from simply showing the fact that you help the community in some way. That's been out there. Yeah. 
Um, I, I will say though, in all the efforts you make with recruiting and onboarding, you've got to make sure that you actually do surveys. You know, I like surveys from start to finish when it's dealing with the recruiting part. Even if I don't select you, I'd like to know something. Yeah. Were my recruiters uh, professional? Yeah. Was the hiring manager professional? Mm-hmm. Um, the 30, 60, 90, that gets tossed out there. And some people like it. Some people don't. Um, I personally do, right? Mm-hmm. You can get aspects from every area of this onboarding process and make those tweaks, make those improvements uh, to, to really make the experience all around better. Yeah. Because without it, how are you going to improve? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, career paths, I, I find if you throw that in the beginning as well, that that can make a big difference, right? I don't want mm-hmm. somebody that's chasing the dollar. I don't want to worry about losing someone to a dollar fifty raise going to another company. That's not the employee I want. I want somebody mm-hmm. I can groom, I can mold, I can build a career for, um, and really make them enjoy what they're doing. Yeah. So I think all those kind of combine to really make it yeah. a good experience. I mean, excellent input. And some of the stats are around 18 times more likely to to stay, you know, with, with good onboarding. I spoke to someone recently that said not enough companies set up onboarding expecting people to stay rather than, you know, onboarding is a term where it usually drives, you know, people to to not join. And it was really interesting. You know, I mean, it, it actually yeah. is, is it, you're absolutely, I mean, at the end of the day, onboarding is there to make people want to to stay. I think you, you also mentioned something around, you know, the hiring managers and, and you know, getting getting feedback on them. What's your, what's your experience around how do you get hiring managers aligned with this process? How do you get, you know, hiring managers clear on not only what they're expecting, but also good collaboration, good decision-making, you know, through the, through the hiring process? Man, um, so in, in all of the onboarding, right, I, I would stress technology is pretty big, right? Having a good ATS, having a good HRIS that can really alleviate a lot of the headaches that you would have uh, throughout the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can set up notifications, uh, training them, showing them, hey, you know, this is the expectations for notes. Here's how quick you should do it. Build those processes, build the repetitiveness. I, th- I think those are, are big keys in that, right? I tell my recruiters or the hiring managers all the time, you get done with that interview, put it away some time to go ahead and make those notes right then and there, because you'll f- inevitably forget some something they said or an action, yeah. a body movement that they did during this interview, because you don't write every note down, right? Mm-hmm. So do it while it's fresh. I know there's other more professional recruiters that are like, I'm just going to take my notes at the end of the day. I'm just going to upload all of them. You know, to each their own, but uh, that—that's really the key for me is—is is building that repetitiveness and, and having that training ongoing and setting the expectation. The downside is is sometimes those managers have to learn the hard way, which is maybe they lose a candidate because they take too long or they missed a step, right? And you know, it's—it's it's a hard lesson to learn at times, especially. 
when you think, you know, if we filled all the jobs today, uh, we'd still have 4 million jobs in the U.S. unfilled. Yeah. Can't really afford to miss out on some of those recruits. Yeah. Good, good point. I mean, it's interesting. So from our perspective, we deal with clients and hiring managers. And, and you know, there is no doubt there are many hiring managers out there that say, this rec is my top priority. This is the most important hire that I need to make. But then getting their engagement, getting their commitment through the process is still a challenge because at the end of the day, you know, they've got the day job and hiring is only a small part of that. But I, I spoke to a recruiting leader uh, recently and it was really interesting. You know, her view was at the start of each, you know, rec or process, I say to the hiring manager, here's how much I'm going to commit in terms of time. How much time are you committing? And we almost have a contract at the start of the process that says, you know, either recruiter will do way more than you, but equally I need the hiring manager to book an hour here, do an hour there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, yeah, interesting, because it's a good way of, you know, locking that commitment and, and driving, you know, that collaboration. Now, just on that, I mean, again, you know, I, I think you when we've spoke previously, you've talked a lot about good communication, you know, transparency, you know, trust, et cetera, whether it be with hiring managers or, or in general through that employee life cycle, how do you, as a leader, almost really try and foster that transparency, trust, communication through whether it be hiring processes, onboarding, et cetera? The, you know, number one's the good ATS, right? Having that technology in place um, really helps to maintain some of these touch points, right? Uh, in a lot of the ATSs, as you're moving them through the progression, you can automate uh, emails, text messages, things like that to communicate both internally and externally. And I, th that makes your life easier as a recruiter or a hiring manager because you know that they're there's touch points being had and you can still maintain your day-to-day -day operations. So I would say first and foremost, that's gotta be there. Um, re repetitive language throughout all of the products you have, right? So whether it's your job description, flyers, even your interviews, right? You need to maintain the same steady, uh, story, flow, process, whatever it may be. Um, and then and then finally, maintaining other softwares. Like we use Calendly. It's a great option to uh, make the applicant feel like they are in control to where they pick what's suitable for them. Where on the backside, really, it's like, I'm trying to build this ease of process to where, hey, here's my calendar, go, go schedule it yourself kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and you can still make it look really professional. So mm -hmm. uh, you can have it branded appropriately and everything. So that's just one example of how using that technology will help you mm -hmm. through all this communication and, and staying transparent with everyone. It's excellent. And, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, some companies really you know, drive their culture, some don't. You also talked about you don't want the candidate that's just chasing the dollar, etc. I think in today's world, there's no doubt that candidates are considering more about culture, about work-life balance, about, you know, more than just what they used to think about three, four years ago. But in your experience, what are the things that you're seeing that's driving 
that decision making? What are the things that you think is going to drive that in future? You know, and really just to to understand what's changing, you know, in the in the candidates' minds. You know, when you talk culture and, and work life balance in particular, it it's a struggle at times because some companies you just don't have the capabilities. I think, you know, when you think of retail, uh, you've got people like at Walmart that work those holiday shifts. Uh, They've gotten away from the working the night shift a lot, but it's hard based on the actual company or industry you're in. Um, I think as long as you stay focused that people do have more of a life than just work, um, making sure that you're keeping them engaged, making sure that uh, you show that compassion, that sympathy and empathy when needed it is very key. Um, you know, do your best to give back what you can when you can is, is the way I think of it. Of course, <clears throat> being in the U.S., sometimes being the nice guy can shoot you in the foot and cause other issues that maybe you didn't want to deal with. Um, so nice guys don't always uh, finish first. They sometimes finish last. But that being said, we always try to work in something. So for example, our company culture, we talked about it, right? We don't want that dollar chaser. Um, and, and we started implementing uh, a welcome meeting every month. So me and some of the executives will sit on a call with all the new hires from last month and we kind of give them expectations of what we are looking for in our people, what they can expect from us, how we operate internally, right? Our commitment to them. Uh, and then at the end of that, we actually sit there and we'll answer whatever questions they might have. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like, how many jobs have you been at where you got to sit in front of VP of HR, the CFO, uh, SVP of ops? I mean, it just doesn't normally happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you had the chance to go talk to Elon Musk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So No, I agree. I, I mean, and sometimes it's just that communication and that human touch that, that can make a difference. Because, I mean, we, we've in the last few weeks, from a solution-driven point of view, done more client visits and more face-to-face than we've probably done in two years. And and sometimes it's just about, as you said, building that connection, you know, letting people get to know each other, you know, more than they do in this in this remote world. So I agree with you. Absolutely um, spot on. Um, excellent. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're coming to close, John. Um, really good information. Um, maybe one last thing would be, you know, you've had a really interesting HR career. Um, for other HR or recruiting leaders that are listening to the podcast, any advice or any insights that you would like to share? You know, I I thought about this question and I think you asked this to a handful of HR people, we're all going to come up with different answers. But I think when you look at um, even this topic in particular, I would say investing in technology is probably my biggest uh, win that I've ever done at any company. You know, there's there's going to come a time if you're a CFO or CEO 
where you're going to have an HR person that's going to come to you and be like, hey, I want an HRS or an ATS system, and it's going to cost us thousands of dollars. Your first response should not be to shut down. You should really investigate because as we kind of talked about in some of these instances, it can not only make the life of a recruiter or an HR person uh, easier, but it helps set the tone, keep the communication flowing, make all the processes smooth enough to really capitalize in your recruiting efforts, in your onboarding processes, um, staying on top of things with a good technology is really key. I mean, uh, there's there's a company and and I'm, I'm not a sponsor of them, but you know, SparkHire is a one-way video interview company, and I've used it at a few companies. And you always inevitably have people that are like, uh, I, I don't think I want a one-way interview. I like the old-fashioned, let's just do a Teams call or a Zoom call and do the interview that way. But as they try it, they start to see the benefits. Oh, I'm not getting stood up half the time by my interviewees. Yeah. Um, I've even had people turn around and say, hey, SparkHire was great. I used it to get the salary increase so that I could get this candidate who was amazing, by the way. Yeah. And so that made that process easier as well. And you just maintain so much from this technology that you have out there. Um, you go back to the Calendly example I said. Do you like sending those emails back and forth? You do what? Three email touches before you schedule an interview? Or I can send one email with a link. Yeah. So technology to me is key for uh, HR and recruiting uh, bar none. Yeah, it's excellent. Really good insights, John. I really appreciate your time. And also thanks to the listeners. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. If there's any particular topics you would like us to, to discuss in the future, please do let us know. Um, but more importantly, thanks to John for, for your time and, and great to chat. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. All the best.